Welcome back, everybody, to episode eight of the Potentiation Podcast. We're here. We're two and a half months into the podcast, and we took a little three-week break. Um, feels good. I feel a little bit recharged. I have had a couple of weeks to kind of think and deliberate on my next few guests, and today's guest is somebody I've worked with in a, in a few capacities. Um, she is a teacher, writer, life coach. She's the creator of Joy Flow, a yoga experience that I've had the pleasure of taking that I think we'll get to talk a lot about today. And it's it was something that was so inspirational from a from a movement standpoint, me as a movement professional, that my girlfriend and I took the class and we found ourselves just holding hands at the end of it. It was yeah. so great. Um, ladies and gentlemen, this is Sarah Gaines. Sarah, I uh, have mentioned that we we worked together a little bit with our nonprofit the paper bag mass foundation but tell everybody the listeners what it is you do um in a nutshell i know it's a lot but what what is it that makes you you and uh we'll kind of dive into how you got here as well sure well hi and thank you for having me um what do i do generally speaking as a whole i help people tap into their highest capacity of love and truth and to live in a way that feels most authentic to them. And what that looks like in actuality is I work with people one-on-one -on -one doing life coaching, um, spirituality guidance. I write a lot about this topic. I am the director of well-being for Startup Island, which is a community for entrepreneurial-minded people. And I teach movement. I teach fitness. I teach yoga. And then, as you mentioned, I have my own creation of Joy Flow, which really blends yoga and ecstatic dance. Mm -hmm. And I'm a meditation teacher as well. Great. So, so much on your plate, it sounds like. Do you have, I guess my first question is, do you have issues with time management? Because I find myself going crazy, uh, and I'm just the personal trainer for the most part. I like to think I do a little bit of writing here and there. Do you drive yourself crazy with your schedule? And if you do, how do you wind down? Not anymore, no. I... The first few years into my career when I was really, I, I was building a big business. I was building at the time, it was Fit University, a community for college students all across the country. I was teaching a bunch of group fitness. Mm -hmm. um, I was always going, going, going. So I was either teaching classes or I was working on something for the business, always meeting with people, different events. Mm -hmm. And um, over the course of that time, I really found myself burning out to your point and really not having... Um, any time for me or to just do things that were strictly for fun because granted the work that I do and have always done mm -hmm. has been fun but there is still a difference between work fun and like just like pure play and so about maybe two years ago I really set an intention that I wanted to have more time to sit and be and write and play and all these kinds of things and so over the past year and a half, two years, I've really sort of looked at all the things that I'm doing and were they aligned with my purpose fully. Right. Right. And I got rid of the things that were no longer serving me. I got rid of the things that felt draining. Um, and so now, and you know, really during this time of, of COVID, it's kind of forced me into that mm -hmm. fully. Um, right. Obviously, you know, no events are happening in person and things like that. And so 
now how I spend the bulk of my time, my day to day is mostly meeting with people one on one. And then the teaching and the group things are kind of sprinkled in throughout that, right. um, which leaves me a lot of time to just sit and write and be. Right. Um, so it's taken a few years, but um, I am I really find myself in a beautiful balance of having a lot of a lot of dedicated time for work and focusing on that, but also time for me. Yeah, you bring up the elephant in the room, which is obviously uh, the coronavirus and. Yeah. I love that you put this positive spin on it. You know, I think maybe two months in, most of us were very, and a lot of us were in a, a darkish place where we were like, what's going to happen? What are we doing? Um, but I think for as much negative news as there is out about the virus, there are a lot of people, yourself included, who have taken this time to focus on other things. Um, some of those other things have been rather transformative, it sounds like. So. Um, I, I think there's so much to be said about the, the positive experiences that have come out of this for, for everything we see that's um, depressing or, or might bring us down a little bit. The habits that we're forming on an individual level right now, longer term, I think can make a huge difference. Um, and I love that you kind of brought that up. So so let's kind of rewind a little bit and, and talk about, you know, what your, um, and by the way, everybody, uh, Sarah has a blue check mark on Instagram. She's my first blue check mark interview. I just want to point that out. Uh, this is my milestone. It's a milestone for me. Uh, hopefully she's not the last one. I don't think she will be, but, um, tell, tell us how you got into this quest for, um, well-being starting with yourself and then you know spreading it to others uh when was the inception of, of that yeah well and i love that you you pulled out exactly what is what i do which is like finding it within myself and then sharing it with others mm -hmm. um and that's really always been the crux of what i have done is just kind of sharing my own journey and the beginning of that started when i was in college i was a sophomore at northeastern and um if we backtrack a little bit here. I mean, ever since I was eight years old, I was dieting, trying to change my body, mm -hmm. started going to the gym at 12, all these kinds of things. Um, on your own accord, did you, did you make that decision or did somebody say, Hey, let's go to the gym? How did that happen? No, no, no. That was me and this wanting, this wanting to change my body from okay. the time that I was that young. Got it. Um, so just like poor negative body image and things like that. Right. Um, and the summer going into my sophomore year of college, I started working with a trainer in the bodybuilding industry. Got it. Um, my sister was in that world. And so I got very, um, very engrossed in that world. And when I was a sophomore, I had actually, during that time of working with him, established a ton of obsessive behaviors mm -hmm. around fitness and health and, you know, sticking to the meal plan exactly as it is, binging when I had my cheat meals, right. you know, if I was missing a session at the gym, freaking out. Um, and it was right about the time that I started learning about moderation and, you know, navigating through that. That's when I started my blog called right. Fit University. Mm. And that was about healthy living in college. And so I was sharing my own experience of, you know, how to live healthy in college. Also, like, what is moderation? Like, these kinds of things. And then I just started really it just started flowing more and more ideas started flowing about healthy living in college in particular and bringing students together to learn that fitness can mean a million and one different things. And it's not about just being physically fit, but it's about being mentally fit as well. Right. And, um, fit university ended up 
morphing into my my baby, my first business, like really my first um, like launching point into the well being industry and the well being world right. um, of this community that grew of college students all across the country, hosting events on their campuses, writing about their own experiences for healthy living. Um, and then from there started teaching fitness, started just getting more involved in that world. And it just kind of evolved from like that physical level to now what I focus even more so on is this more spiritual level. Right. You bring up this contrast, I think is so interesting because I have like five or six friends in the bodybuilding industry who compete and then they take breaks and then they, I I see this regimen that they follow that is so strict and you talk about that and, and it's, it's interesting because in, in that time period, you also found a, a flexibility with your fitness that I think doesn't really exist, correct me if I'm wrong, in the bodybuilding world. It's like you have to stick this and you have to do that. But at the same time, uh, you realize that you know being fit is not just following those direct um, cues and, and, and uh, adhering to that because at some point, like you said, you're going to find that it, it gets very daunting and it gets very hard to stick with. Um, and I, I give all props to all bodybuilders who can do that consistently and compete year in and year out and do that to their body because it's, it's a very difficult process, especially when you consider that there isn't much of a prize for second place in bodybuilding. Um, so I love that that's kind of what brought you to expanding your ideas about fitness instead of keeping them in that one box. Well, and exactly to your point of expanding my thoughts on it and my experience with it, because it took me being locked into complete restriction mm-hmm. in order for that expansion to occur. Right, right. You you, you also kind of mentioned how that experience was like a, a introduction into Fit University for you. Like it, it made you more... Um, conscious of that wait there's other things i need to do to be fit and i'm thinking back to my college days where i uh would go in for a yearly physical just about every year for uh, college basketball and i didn't have much to be um what's the word i'm looking for i didn't have much to be worried about in terms of my overall fitness like i was practicing six times a week but like something that always troubled me was like a high blood pressure reading when I would go in for my physical and I would wonder why is that because I feel like I eat good. Um, re- reflecting on it now, it was, it was definitely sleep. Like I did not get enough sleep in college and I'm sure at, at some level of your fit university program, there was some emphasis on like, hey, take a break, rest because I don't think I did enough of that in college and I, I, yeah. I still don't think many college students do. Um, you know, now we're not on an obviously different time where there's remote classes and I'm sure people may get the chance to relax a little bit more, but I think it's like, yeah, that I don't, it's no surprise to me that Fit University became what it was because I feel like so many college students at the time were probably thinking like, what can I do to be better, right? And not just better for like my parents, I don't want a good GPA, but like better so that I feel better right right um so talk about joy flow um i I briefly glossed over it in our um intro here but how did you stumble upon the concept for it Uh, i've seen on your on your website that um you've taught it at bigger music festivals before which you know i was in euphoria just in my living room so i can only imagine what it's like (laughs) at a music festival with hundreds of thousands of people but but what 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 led to that and how did that give give um get life from you it was all 
kind of just an accident. It kind of just came to be. I, um, you know, as I said, I taught fitness, group fitness for a number of years. I taught, you know, indoor cycling, beat-based cycling. Right. I taught hit group fit, you know, dance-based things as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always, always done yoga. The first time I ever did a yoga class, I was like 11. And um, it's always been a really integral practice in my life. And um, maybe two years ago or so, I taught actually, um, I remember it was a Sunday morning at Lululemon and I taught a class and I called it flow. Okay. And it was just like these sections of different kinds of flow. There was like a warm-up flow. There was a dynamic flow, a strength flow, and like a, a cool down flow or something like that. Yep. And it was really starting to take these elements of that I have known in practice of like strength and, and like group fitness, but starting to make it blend together in this more like flowy capacity. Mm-hmm. And so I started working with that a little bit and then started adding more yoga into it. I did my yoga teacher training and, um, and then I also sort of around the same time had started practicing ecstatic dance Okay. and ecstatic dance is just allowing your body to just move. It's the music comes on and it's just moving in motion. You're not thinking about it. You're just kind of whatever's happening is happening. There's right. zero structure at all. Yeah. And ecstatic dance became such, such, such an important practice to me in terms of my feeling of freedom and feeling of release. And there's so much that can come come up with that. Uh, you know, when we allow ourselves to just like kind of dance all weird, what are the thoughts that we're thinking about ourselves? Yep. And like, oh, is this person looking at me? Or do I look weird or what have you? And so then I started integrating just a little bit of that into this class that I was teaching. And, you know, it really just started to, to evolve. Um, and as I evolved and started moving away from fitness, it sort of lost its elements of of doing like strength movements in the class, like taking away push-ups and squats and things like that. And really now what it is, is a really gentle vinyasa class that builds into ecstatic dance and then comes back down and ends in a meditation. Right. So I love that it kind of was formed from your wide variety of group fitness experiences because, um, me as a personal trainer, I love to focus on people's personalities, right? I feel like half of what makes me so good as a trainer is not that I can make you sweat for 55 minutes, but also that I can talk to you and I can cater to someone's personality, whether they like to be pushed or if they need to be uh, gone a little bit easier on. So that kind of wide range, I feel like really, really helps you to the point where Joy Flow, and correct me if I'm wrong, seems like a class that just about anybody can take. I mean, personality wise, right? I feel like maybe not every day, but maybe on a given day, somebody might be like, I need a release. Like I need to relax like this. Like I need to, what was the euphemism? Like I need to move without the feeling of being judged. Right. So, so, um, I feel like it really takes that form. Like absolutely. And what I think is so powerful about it is that what ends up happening is that the entire thing really is a meditation. And so when you start paying attention to what am I thinking Mm -hmm. when I'm just moving in a way that's so natural to me, right? Well, how often am I doing that when I'm just walking through life as well? 
Yeah. And so when we can use our body as this physical tool that we've been given to break through that, how is that going to transcend outside of the joy flow practice and into the rest of your life? Mm -hmm. Now, do you have a practice where you keep up with people who've taken your class? Have you gotten like a survey from somebody or done like a survey, for example, or, or um, maybe not a survey, but has anybody just reached out to you after class and been like, hey, like, Maybe it was that same day, like my day was great because I, I just did this awesome movement. Yeah, I mean, I, everything from that to, you know, I'll oftentimes encourage journaling after Joyce because a lot can come up. Yeah. And it's, I mean, some of the things that people have said are, are truly, it's just, it shows the power of what can happen when you allow yourself to just move in a way that feels good. Right. And, you know, everything from like, it showed me how, like, what my true power is, or I felt like me, or, and I real, like, I, like, shook out, like, the limiting beliefs that I've been telling myself. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it, it's been really powerful to hear some of the reflections um, from, from people who have attended or who continue to attend. That's great. I personally was not somebody who, let's say, who cared or, or even focused much about astrology until I met my girlfriend and she's gotten me into all of this stuff right now. Would you say that, would you say, and I, I'm thinking about it like all the time, like, oh, this really does fit my personality. And it's not just your horoscope telling you what your day is going to be like, but it's actually like, this makes sense because this is how I feel like 99% of the time. Do you feel like your transition into this kind of teaching and life coaching and, and helping people help themselves is part of your personality as it relates to things like astrological signs? Like even when you were in the in the phase of bodybuilding, did you feel like you had to like break free from that? Was there a, a, a part of you that needed more uh, autonomy and, and control of your life? Like what? how does this kind of blend into your personality, if that makes sense? When you say, how does this blend into my personality? What is this? Uh, this this style of coaching and, and your right. your your lifestyle that you lead now of, of teaching people and helping yeah. people. Do you feel like that's always been your kind of calling, like deep, deep down? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, I think joy and happiness has always been a critical piece of who I am. Core value. We'll say that again. A core value of yours. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, my little, my middle name is literally Joy. Oh wow. Um, which, like, I didn't really step into until like two years ago. Okay. But you know, I've I've always had um, this sense of I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm going to help you determine what you want to do. Right. And when I look at my life. That is how I live my life. Mm -hmm. I live my life in every single way that feels good and right and true to me. And my biggest goal is to help other people do the same. And I think, you know, how that ties into spirituality and astrology and all those kinds of things. I don't, um, you know, I don't follow astrology. Like I, I follow astrology in the sense that I'm, I love like, I have an astrologist and I love knowing what's going on. I don't like tie my identity to the exactly. astrology. I find it useful information right. to kind of just like help me deepen my understanding to self. And in, that to me is spirituality is deepening my understanding to self. Mm -hmm. And when I deepen my understanding and connection to self, I'm actually deepening my connection to other people and the world around me and yeah. understanding that 
I am just this little vessel here on this whole gigantic multitude of a universe that we're in. Yeah, it's very hard for people to grapple with that sometimes, right? To to kind of minimize yourself to that level. You're you're surrendering a lot of the self-control that you feel like you have throughout the day if you take a moment, just a moment a day to to think that thought. Like I think it's so so powerful. Well, and, you know, to go back to the beginning of our conversation when we were talking about, like, having the time and always, like, running from place to place. Right. When your days or when my days were jam-packed with building and creating and studio and this and this and that, Mm -hmm. I didn't have the time, the space, or the energy to lean into those things. But now that I do, I can, and everything is even more abundant for me now. Right. What does that time look like for you? Because I'm sure listeners, you know, look at someone like yourself and uh, having heard 20 minutes of this conversation think this is the most spiritually balanced, like thinking like sitting ohm cross-legged woman I've ever heard. Um, (laughs) Do you take, is it just a 60 second practice? Do you take a whole 10 minutes? What's the daily, at least recently, what, what is that like meditation, calming practice look like for you? Yeah. Well, I'm glad you said recently because it, it's flowed. And I was actually thinking about this this morning where yeah. I like have it for the past few weeks. I've been kind of all over the place yeah. and haven't had my consistent meditation practice that I did maybe early on in quarantine where I like I wasn't starting my days until a certain amount of time. So like I had a full chunk of time to for me. Um, and so right now, really what it looks like is, you know, in the morning, I take 10 minutes to to center myself and I have a few morning rituals that I that I do to kind of move into my day and ground myself um but I haven't it's not like I'm sitting here for like an hour and a half meditating or anything right right, now. right. Um, but granted there there was a point in time where I was doing that but I built it took a long time to build up to that sure um and really I think what it looks like on on a day-to-day basis and how it's threaded throughout the day is just awareness of how am I feeling? Mm-hmm. What am I reacting to? What's moving through me? What are my thoughts right now? Yep. And the more that I continue to do that, the more I continue to, again, realize like what's in alignment with me, mm-hmm. what's not. So how can I get rid of what's not in alignment? How can I lean into what is? Mm-hmm. And gratitude, a daily practice you know, when I'm in bed before I get up, yep. what are 10 things I'm grateful for? When I'm in bed going to sleep, what are 10 things I'm grateful for? Yes. Um, just like taking a moment, literally just a moment to stop and appreciate the fact that I woke up today. Yeah. I'm here. Yeah. I'm breathing. Yeah. Humbling feelings. Like I, I think I have had those days too where I am go, 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 go. And by the time the day gets there but to its end, um, Maybe, and I'm guilty of this a lot, actually, maybe I'm not necessarily reflecting on those things as much as I should be. Maybe sometimes my thought, and this probably goes for a lot of people too, is goes right to the next day. Like, oh, I need to get to sleep because I wait, need to wake up at the same time tomorrow morning, mm. right? Well, you know, I love that you said this because I had that exact experience on Monday night. Right. I had just gotten home and my friend was here and we were making dinner and, you know, like having a glass of wine. And there was a part of me that said, uh, like, okay, I should go to bed soon because, you know, I have a day tomorrow and, you know, I should start getting ready for that. And then I stopped myself and I thought, no, my best friend is here. I'm going to spend time with him and I'm just 
gonna celebrate the simple fact that I'm here and I'm alive and I'm just gonna enjoy yeah. this night. And then tomorrow will come and it will be tomorrow. But for right now, like let me just celebrate this. Yeah. Yeah, that's so such a simple formula, right? And that's not to say that you probably didn't get pretty decent sleep that night and your Tuesday was probably fine. I think right. I think as, you know, the millennial group, you know, people of our age group, and this is a big reason why Noah and I are, are so big on the Paperback Mass Foundation and what we want to do specifically with people of this age group is that we're kind of trapped, not trapped, that, that's a bad word to use, but we're stuck in the middle of this paradigm where a lot of us either work too hard or we're not working hard enough. And that's that's usually an outside stigma that comes from somebody else, whether it's our parents or our grandparents. And yep. uh, there's no middle ground. Like nobody takes enough time to just say like, I did enough today and and, and calm themselves down. But then if, if, if you're not there, I feel like a lot of us get to this point where it's like we immediately shift. It's like, I didn't do enough today. There's no, that, that balance I think is like, it's hard for us to strike. Exactly. And you just, you pull that word of enough mm -hmm. out and you look at it and you feel into it. And it's the same exact feeling that lies within the word should. Mm -hmm. It's just expectation and box and this need to do something instead of just the appreciation of what you did. Right. Right. And how you know, something that a lot of the people that I work with, this concept of enough comes up often. Mm -hmm. And the question always then becomes is, okay, well, what is enough? Yeah. Because so often we're just running with these narratives of, oh, I didn't do enough. Okay. But have you ever stopped and really asked yourself what is enough? Yeah. Yeah. What would enough be? Yeah. And so you know, I just think it's so important to, to break that down and then like using, like literally implementing, like injecting new thoughts into yourself of, I did exactly what I was, I did exactly what I did today. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. <laughs> and that is enough. Yeah. Not holding that up to any standard of like, well, here's where I wanted to be. And here's where the, the should is also, I think the second most important, if not just as important word in that statement so yeah. with, with people that you kind of consult and maybe it's just on like a uh every so often text basis or maybe you're uh dming some people on instagram about how can i help help this do you find that um your energy is is evenly dispersed because i feel like you know when we going back to the burnout part of the conversation um i feel like when you're talking to people and you're helping them, uh, the question always becomes, and I'm sure you have these friends because you seem very level-headed. I'm sure you have friends who ask you, are you taking the time for yourself? Um, do, does that ever become, a, I mean, I know recently you said you, you have a great hold on the time management, but um, do you ever feel like there's, is there maybe a better way to word this question? Is there such a thing as giving too much of yourself to other people when you're helping them? I think it's a balance that has to be learned yeah. because I certainly have experienced that. I remember this mostly when teaching mm. group fitness because right. that is literally you're just pouring all of your energy out, both yeah. like like verbally, mentally, but also literally physically. Yes. Um, and I think now when I'm doing work with people, working with them one-on-one -on -one or doing group sessions, things like that, what I've really had to 
practice is discerning which energy is mine and which is not. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if I'm having a conversation with someone and they're really stressed or they're really angry or things like that, I can feel that, right? Like we, we can all feel that. Yeah. Yep. And it's, it becomes the practice of learning to not let that become your own energy. Right. And right. something that I've really had to step into is recognizing, well, if I'm here to serve, how am I going to be in the most service to that person by not taking on their energy, by staying grounded in me right. and in this like even space. Um, and so it's just been starting to pay attention to if I'm feeling a certain thing, is this actually mine or is this somebody else's? Right. Um, and yep. starting to, to just release some of that. Yeah. I like that. I think I think there's definitely it's it's hard to distinguish that sometimes, right? Because especially oh. when it's somebody that you're very very close with, and uh-huh. you you're you're constantly you know you talk about the sharing of energy. You're constantly uh-huh. sharing energy with that person, and you feel like sometimes you're obligated to be in the same headspace or energy wave uh-huh. as them, right? That's why I feel like a lot of times when we're with our friends and our friends are down, it's hard for us to not be like. Yeah, and I I don't feel great too. And then sometimes that's how those really really good uh, heart to hearts happen, though. It's like you find that you're so comfortable with that person's energy that you're able to talk with them and and let some feelings flow out. Uh, totally. Yeah. Tell tell us if in in these last couple of minutes here, um, maybe this is a huge gray area, and I wouldn't be surprised if it is because it kind of is for everybody. What lies in store for you in the near future in the distant future do you have any big plans that you're going to drop on this podcast because i need something kind of newsworthy no i'm just kidding but (laughs) like what are you what are you planning is there anything exciting we have to look forward to from sarah Gaines? Mm, everything um (laughs) nice nice you know i don't have i think right now i was talking to a friend about this a few days ago it's it's very hard for me and I'm actually not even spending any time or effort or energy in trying to see past the next few months. Yeah. Besides like the obvious of over the next few years, like I want to be in a long-term relationship. I right. want to create a family over, but like in terms of like what's actually going to happen in the next few months, I don't really know. Yep. Um, what I do know is that I want to, and I will continue to, um, work with people one-on-one and continue to spread joy flow. Mm-hmm. Um, and there could be some travel involved in that. Nice. Yeah. I also just moved to New Hampshire in the middle of the woods. So I could winter here. You know, I don't, yep. um, there's so many unknowns, but yeah. I think what I know will remain is, um, just continuing to, to tap into the space with people and groups of just like, what is your fullest truth and let's step into that. Right. Um, but I don't have um, anything super newsworthy, unfortunately. That's to, okay. Uh, I was, I was I just kind of try to make something up, but I don't know. No, that's all right. <laughs> I, I actually like that answer one because you, you mentioned like, you know, you still have the long term goals and I feel like um, for, for those who are listening, who are maybe a little discouraged right now, like you can still have your, one-year plan, your five-year plan, and not let what's going on right now kind of throw you off course, right? Like, I don't think that that needs to be a, a thought because if you have that thought, then it can kind of snowball into something negative. Like, so I appreciate that you still have, like, this is what I plan to do in two, three years. That's not changed at all. But but even though there's uncertainty in the next couple months, you still have that, um, 
you're, you're still focused on that, which I love. So, um, no news, no problem. I think, I think that was, I think that's all the listeners really need anyway. Uh, Sarah, thanks so much for taking the time to stop on. I know you have a busy day ahead of you. I do too. But uh, real quickly, as we kind of wrap up here, tell the listeners where they can find you and uh, any other information you'd like to share, any good sentiments, well wishes. People can find me on Instagram at Sarah J. Gaines. And my website is sarahjgaines.com. Very easy to reach through both of those things. And any closing sentiments would just be to just take a moment every day to appreciate and to breathe and like wiggle your hips a little bit and just dance. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it doesn't need to be so hard. Yeah. Yeah. I think the theme of this podcast has, has been with the past few guests is that they're all interesting people. Like that's the goal is to interview interesting people, but to show that some of the, some of the daily practices yourself included of all these people are not much different than the regular average everyday person. And that's not to say, that's not to put a negative connotation on the regular average everyday person. It's just people who are listening to this podcast have all the capabilities of any and every spectacular guest that I have on. So, um, 100%. And I think it's, you know, the most important thing that I always use as a frame of reference is everybody is a mirror. So if somebody is doing something, that means that I have the capacity to do it too. Right. I love that. Well, Sarah, I am super, super appreciative that we got to get this done. Uh, it was a couple reschedules in the making, but it happened. I'm very thankful for it. And um, I hope you all enjoyed listening to this episode, everybody. Uh, you can find us at the Potentiation Podcast on Apple Podcasts. I'm currently working on getting on other forms of streaming. So you'll see it in other places and in uh, the uh, Droid store soon. I'm blanking on the name because I'm, I'm running on like two cups of coffee and my mind's at 100 miles per hour. But Sarah, thanks so much for joining today. This has been episode eight. Pleasure of the Potentiation Podcast. We'll see you guys later.